Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Welcome back to the MLB.com StatCast podcast. I'm your host, Mike Petriello, joined here by MLB.com national editor, Matt Myers. Matt, we are two days away as we record this from the opening of the 2018 baseball season. And of course, that means it's, it's basically a legal obligation that we need to do a StatCast season preview. Uh, as we did last year, Matt and I have each come up with 30 stats, 30 StatCast stats for 30 baseball teams. That is 60 total StatCast stats. And StatCast is, of course, powered by Amazon Web Services. Um, all right, is I, I, should a- give, I should give a, a tip of the cap to uh, our crack research department, uh, yes. namely Andrew Simon, uh, Matt Kelly, and David Adler for some help on uh, many of these facts. Uh, I'd be remiss if I took full credit for, uh, uh, for these, but... Uh, but yeah, let's get it going. All right. There are 30 baseball teams. There are two of us. There are 60 StatCast stacks. And as we go through, we are going to also do our season predictions, our MVP award predictions, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, you had a question? No, that's what I was going to say. I was okay. say don't forget to tease the fact that, yes. that our predictions for MVPs, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, Divisions, Wild Card, all of it are coming at the end. But you have to listen to Until the entire the show or I'm, fast forward. I'm going to give but... one small spoiler we both really think Mike Trout's going to have a good year. That's it. I, I know that's going to uh, blow everything up here. We're going to start with the American League, and we're going to start with the American League East, and uh, we're actually going to go with these in, in alphabetical order, and then when we get to the end of the division, uh, Matt and I will each say who we've chosen to win the division. And Matt and I generally kind of have similar outlooks on these things, but I can tell you for the AI East, we do not have the same prediction, which is nice. Um, but we're going to start alphabetically, and I, I guess I should also preface this by saying I didn't actually look at what Matt was doing as I did. The only thing I did was make sure I didn't have the exact identical stat, because that could have happened but it does appear that for baltimore we both have manny machado stats and they sort of lead into one another um mine is 531 that is manny machado's uh, batting average on hard hit so 95 miles an hour of exit velocity or above line drives or or fly balls these are the most valuable batted balls you could possibly have 531 is the third lowest of the 63 guys who did that 100 times that kind of says to me there should maybe be more production there for manny machado wouldn't you say uh, indeed, in fact, my Manny, my Orioles and uh, Manny Machado fact is that he led the majors with 250 hard hit balls last year. Um, those are batted balls, uh, 95 miles an hour and above. Uh, Jose Abreu was second at 230, so he had 20 more than anyone else. That's significant. So he did it a lot and got a lower production than most guys do. So I'm all in for Manny Machado this year. He's going to be a free agent following the year. He's going to have an enormous year, which I will also predict will not end in Baltimore. He will be elsewhere. Well, that might be the hottest take of that's this a, uh, That's a this scorching podcast. take. So let's move on to, to Boston, alphabetically by city, of course. Uh, Chris Sale, 
uh, kind of got a little lost in the shuffle last year because he faded a little bit, and Corey Kluber was so great down the stretch to sort of take the AL signing award. But Chris Sale last year led the majors with 155 strikeouts on fastballs and was second to Chris Archer uh, in strikeouts on sliders. So basically two pitches, two separate pitches he was putting away people with and like almost the, almost the top of the league. As you mentioned, he lost the Cy Young to Kluber. If you go back to like July, we were talking about him in the MVP discussion. That's how amazing he was. My stat is for Craig Kimbrell, who was fantastic. But this is my favorite Kimbrell stat. His exit velocity allowed, 91.4 miles an hour, was the hardest exit velocity allowed of 438 guys with 100 balls in play. And I say that not to say that Kick Frimble is bad, because he's not. He's very, very good. He's outstanding. But I just find that so interesting that a guy who is that elite at missing bats, he had like a 50% strikeout rate. If you do happen to make contact, you'll make hard contact. I find that fascinating. We saw this uh, when we talked about Robbie Ray a couple weeks ago. Uh, and so, we will so, again. So, similar <laughs> phenomenon. Just, just you wait. <laughs> All right, who's next? New York Yankees, you. Hit it up. All right, the New York Yankees. I went with the bullpen, and I went with Chad Green, because uh, I figured we have a ton of StatCast stats about the big sluggers. I went to the relief pitchers. Chad Green had a 208 expected weighted on base on plate appearances ending in four-seam fastballs. That is number one among all relievers who had 100 such plate appearances. I believe I've said on this show the Yankees are not just going to have the best bullpen of the year. They may have the best bullpen of all time. And a guy like Chad Green is a big part of that. He might be like their fourth best reliever. He's really, really, really good. Yeah. Uh, For me, for the Yankees, I went with uh, Judge and Stanton. In fact, they combined last year for 20 home runs with an exit velocity of 115 miles per hour or above. The rest of the majors had 13. This this sounds like an interesting stat for an infographic, I think, which you can see, I believe, on cut four. Um, and also, I mean, just last night in an exhibition game, Stanton hit a home run of 114.1 miles per hour uh, against the Braves at SunTrust Park. Giancarlo Stanton now has the four hardest hit, if you count that, has now has the four hardest hit homers in the one-plus year history of SunTrust Park. He's played, Park. like, what, 10 games there? Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. All right, moving on from the Yankees to the Tampa Bay Rays. I kind of teased this one before. Uh, Chris Archer led the majors with 184 strikeouts on sliders. That's 50 more than anyone else. He also led the majors with a 44.6% slider rate. We've talked a lot about in this sh- a lot on this show about pitchers who are basically saying, well, this is my, my breaking pitch is my best pitch. I'm going to throw it a ton. Chris Archer is definitely part of that, even though it's a slider and not a curveball. I am... All in on Chris Archer as a Cy Young candidate this year. Especially since he's leading a four-man rotation and could possibly get like 36 starts if he stays healthy. Uh, My stat for the Rays is 51.8%. That is Carlos Gomez. That is his first pitch swing percentage. That is the highest of 270 hitters who had 400 plate appearances last year. Gomez is famously aggressive. We all know this. And, uh, you know, I actually kind of liked this steal for them a lot. They traded uh, Steven Souza and then the next day signed Carlos Gomez. It's only a mild step down for me, and they got like four players back from Sousa. I actually kind of liked that deal uh, a lot for them. Finishing off the American League East in Toronto, and it looks like we have both gone with starting pitchers, which I think makes sense because their rotation is probably the strength of this Blue Jays team. My number here is actually two numbers, 296 and 299. That is the expected weighted on base over the last two years of Marco Estrada, 296, two years ago, 299 last year. Very similar, nearly identical, despite a 348 ERA and then a 498 ERA. And that says to me that despite that massive difference, Marco Estrada has basically been the same guy. And I think this is what happens when you have a guy who doesn't get a ton of strikeouts. He's a fly ball pitcher. And we all know that the Toronto outfield was not a strength last year. Should be a little bit better this year, hopefully. Yeah, mine is a bit, uh, I'll admit, a bit random, but I was sort of fascinated by this. Jay Happ, their opening day starter, um, was fourth in the majors last year 
uh, among starting pitchers with a fastball usage rate of 70, 70.8%. Uh, Bartol Colon led the majors at 82.7%. This just struck me because I don't think of Jay Happ as sort of a guy who works that much off his fastball. And I just sort of like, huh, wow, that's... That's him. That's him. All right. Um, but yeah. Your, your American League East uh, division champion prediction. Um, the Red Sox. And I picked this even before Greg Bird got hurt. And now I feel even more conviction about it <laughs> since, since Greg Bird got <laughs> well, hurt. Well, I picked the Yankees before Greg Bird got hurt. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with it. I think the bullpen is really, really good. Um, I have a lot of concerns about the Red Sox rotation depth. And I think the uh, – although I do think the Red Sox are going to hit a lot. But I think the Yankees uh, just have the perfect combination of, of offense and bullpen. And a better rotation. That's what I'm going to say. Uh, I believe in I believe in a bounce back for David Price. That's a big thing for me. I think that their sale on Price is going to give them a really good top one too. And as you said, the offense, Betts is going to bounce back. Bogart's going to bounce back. They've got JD Martinez. I still believe that Hanley Ramirez can be an effective hitter. Yeah, I like that team. Skipping ahead, we have both selected them to be a wild card team. Like they're both going to make the playoffs in our book, right? I don't think that's a huge surprise to anybody. Moving on to the American League Central, and there's a lot of suspense here about which team we picked to win the division. I imagine starting with the Chicago White Sox, who I will give them this: I think they're going to be really interesting this year. A lot of those young players are finally making it to the bigs. I'm excited to see Lucas Giolito, who we've never really been a big fan of. He reportedly looked fantastic this spring. I'm excited to see how these guys work out. My number is 343. That is the expected weighted on base for Wellington Castillo. Did you realize that was the fifth highest of 41 catchers last year who got up to the plate 200 times? It's pretty good. That's a nice little addition for them. (laughs) Now Uh, you do. (laughs) uh, White Sox for me, Yohan Moncada last year was second to D. Gordon uh, among second basemen with a sprint speed of uh, 29.2 feet per second. Gordon was 29.7, but he's now a center fielder. So Yohan Moncada is now the fastest second baseman in baseball. Going by last year's sprint speed, of course. Pretty sure you just stole my Seattle fact, so <laughs> thanks for that. Uh, in Cleveland, if you remember my fact for the, the uh, Red Sox was how Kimbrell got hit very hard when he got hit. Andrew Miller had the softest exit velocity allowed last year of those same 438 with 100 balls in play at 81.2 miles an hour. They both get a ton of strikeouts, uh, but if you happen to hit Craig Kimbrell, you're going to hit him pretty hard. If you hit Miller, he's still really hard to make contact with. That, to me, says a little bit more about dominance, I think, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, sticking with Cleveland pitchers, uh, looking at their starters, the highest swing strike strike rate on breaking balls last year, minimum 500 pitchers. That's uh, minimum 500 pitches. That's 122 pitchers. Corey Kluber was one. Carlos Carrasco two. Mike Clevenger was three. So there's this is a, a curveball team. They like to throw it. They know they throw it well, and they dominate with it. Mike Clevenger is kind of a sneaky. Yeah, he gets forgotten because you know they have Salazar. They still. They still like Josh Tomlin. They Bauer him, is still yeah. there. Well, no, I mean, to me, Bauer's defined clearly separated himself as you know in the top three with you know Kluber. He's the number three between Kluber, Carrasco, and and then it's Bauer. After that, it gets a little messier. But to me, Clevenger needs to be in that that regular mix. Yeah, he's going to have a a surprisingly good year. Would you like to move on to Detroit? Yeah, we had to do a Nick Castellanos fact. Uh, he was tied with Jose Abreu last year with 147 hard hit fly balls slash line drives, second only to Manny Machado. Nick Castellanos had a good year last year, but there's definitely more there. Uh, yeah, I've been pumping him up on the show for like two full years, so a, a huge breakout would be very nice for me. Um, and I also have to come back to Miguel Cabrera. He had a 47.8% hard hit rate. That was the eighth best in baseball of 334 qualifiers with 150 balls in play. We know that Miggy did not have a very strong year last year. He still hit the ball really hard, had wild home road splits, was way worse on the road. Uh, I still believe in him. I know he's older. He's had some back issues. I still believe there's another all-star Miguel Cabrera year left in him, even if, uh, you know, it, it wasn't a great year for him last year. I believe it. Kansas City. 
Lucas Duda is their first baseman now, and this is kind of a tease at some metrics we're looking at that we will have publicly in the next couple of weeks. He was shifted on 85.5% of his plate appearances. That was the second most in baseball behind only Chris Davis, who was up there at 94%. That is a lot of shifts uh, for a left-handed hitter. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, for the Royals, my fact is about Salvador Perez, who had an average pop time of 1.91 seconds to second base last year. That was the lowest among 38 catchers with at least 20 stolen base t- attempts against. Uh, league average for contacts is about two seconds. So 1.91 is obviously elite. It was the best. Uh, Sal Perez, uh, still surprisingly young. He's like 26 years old. I, uh, um, and uh, he doesn't have like amazing arm strength relative to his peers, but he still, the the, the, the exchange is really where he, he, make, he makes a difference. He has elite exchange. Uh, I, have to, I have to say, I have to call foul on this minimum here. There's 20 stolen bases because on the site, it's 15 stolen bases, and that puts Austin Hedges uh, just above Sal Perez. He's still elite. I'm not, I'm not taking it away from him. Um, <laughs> Bah humbug. Uh, twins, obviously, I was going to go with the Byron Buxton fact. We talked about him a lot on the show. Uh, he led the majors last year with 29 four- and five-star catches. Those are defined as catches with a catch probability of uh, f- uh, 50% or lower, or four, I guess 49% or lower. Uh, Mookie Betts was second with 24 such catches. So, Byron Buxton, you know you're getting the elite defense. I see... Um, I see some uh, elite offense coming this year, too. All right. I, I This is not really a stack cast stat, but I, I found it interesting enough, I had to say it, for Logan Morrison. He had a home road split of 230 points of OPS. That was the second largest in baseball behind only Todd Frazier. And now he's leaving Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is obviously a pitcher's park. Not that Minnesota is some fantastic hitter's park, but even if that's a slight boost and he still hits the way he did on the road, I think it would be interesting to see if that gives him a better season overall. So in terms of the AL Central... Predictions? It's obviously Cleveland. Cleveland's the clear favorite. Oh, we, we had, that's right. We had ourselves a friendly little wager a couple weeks ago where you said Minnesota would be within five games of Cleveland. And I laughed and said more like a dozen. Uh, and I think that kind of goes to the, our differing views on the Twins because it, it appears you have them as a wildcard team and I do not. I'm a believer. I think, uh, as I said, I, I see uh, Buxton taking a step forward on offense, full season of Sano. I mean, my big concern with Sano is he might just be a guy that's injured a lot because he's missed time the last couple of years. But I'm sort of just maybe hopeful as a Miguel Sano fantasy owner that this is the year he puts it together. Even though they didn't end up going out and getting a dominant starting pitcher, they still, the rotation is still better and they've got great outfield defense. Um, I believe. I, I have concerns. Polanco got suspended for half the year. Uh, but, you know, if if Buxton breaks out, then, yeah, I'm going to look very silly. I forgot to say my, my second wildcard team was actually the Blue Jays. So my two wildcard teams are the Blue Jays and the Red Sox. Yours are the Yankees and the Twins. Um, and as we move to the American League West, I'm not sure there's more of a slam dunk division title uh, in any division in baseball. The Houston Astros, let's be upfront about it. They are going to be fantastic this year. I mean, they were a legitimately great team last year, 101 games. And to me, they're no question they're a better, better team. With, without question. Um, I mean, I don't, the one thing, the one player I think is definitely going to regress is Altuve simply because there's no way he can top last year. Well, Marwin Gonzalez too, I'd throw yeah, in there. But then Correa, fully healthy. Bregman's just getting better. Bregman looks like a star. Yeah. Springer in his prime. And remember they had Beltran last year. He was terrible. Exactly. They, they gave like 500 that. bats to terrible Beltran. And they traded for Garrett Cole. And they, exactly. and they have a full season of Justin Verlander. Oh yeah, that. So no, this is a, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a ridiculously good team. All right, so your uh, Houston stat is actually about Jose Altuve. Yeah, an interesting thing about Altuve is that he led the majors with 279 swings on first pitches and at bat. Uh, with 200, uh, 279, Avisel Garcia was second at 272. Just goes to show the change in approach across baseball. You know, 10 years ago when 
the Red Sox and Yankees were sort of the dominant teams by just wearing out pitchers with, you know, lineups of guys who took a lot of pitches. And the whole game was wear out the starting pitchers, get to the bullpens. Well, the game has really shifted in 10 years. And now you kind of want you, – you almost want to keep the pitcher in long enough so you get to face him a third time. <laughs> That's exactly right. So we're seeing more and more pit hitters and good ones like Altuve swing at the first pitch. My stat, and clearly I was playing around with our new shift leaderboards, 49.9%, so let's call it 50%. That is the amount of shifted plate appearances versus left-handed hitters by the Astros, the most – in baseball in 2017, and I think that was just about the infield. Uh, we saw reports today that they are definitely going to try some four-man outfield, which is a thing we're going to be able to track this year, so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. The other, uh, the next team in the American League West is the Los Angeles Angels, and my number here is 89%. That is the expected catch percentage of Mike Trout. That is tied for the highest of any outfielder with 150 opportunities last year. What that basically means is the league average outfielder who would have caught 89% of the balls that Mike Trout saw. And that's high. That's, I think, about six or seven points higher than average. No outfielder can create difficult chances, and his metrics weren't strong last year. And I think that's part of it. He just did not have uh, difficult chances, whether that's good positioning, bad luck, I don't know. But I found that to be very interesting about him. Indeed. Uh, my Angels fact is about Garrett Richards. For longtime StatCast fans, they will remember when StatCast was first released in 2015, he was the guy. He was the guy with he before Seth Lugo there was Richards like he was the guy with the crazy high spin curveball and a crazy high spin fastball. He actually might be, he might be the true king of spin rate. The only problem is he's pitched sixty innings over the course of the last two seasons, so we haven't really gotten to see him. But um, when healthy, he's always been good. And if the Angels are going to compete for a playoff spot, I don't think they can compete with the Astros, but they can compete for a wild card spot. They really need. I'm not gonna say two hundred innings because that's. At this in the modern game, that's not a real barometer anymore. But 150 innings of good pitching from Garrett Richards—that is a lot to ask. But I agree with you; he's extremely talented. Moving on to Oakland, and I, I think I've—I have talked about how interested I am in Oakland for a little while now. And unfortunately, Jarrell Cotton is hurt, so that's kind of a bummer. My number here is 98 miles an hour. That is Matt Olson's exit velocity on fly balls and line drives. Sixth behind his own teammate Chris with a K Davis in Major League Baseball. The A's have two of the top six exit velocity guys when hitting the ball in the air and that is extremely fun i like that a lot. and that's a nice uh, transition to my fact chris davis uh chris with a k davis leads the majors with 132 barrels over the last two seasons uh barrels are defined as basically the ideal combination of exit velocity and launch angle for extra base hits and so chris davis does that about as well as anyone and he's fascinating too because he's like 510 and you know 195 pounds, but he hits the ball as hard as anyone in baseball. I, I was watching that game yesterday, and, and he came up, and I, I hadn't really seen him since last season, and, and that's exactly what I thought. It's like, oh, right. He's not like Aaron Judge. He's not this monster of a man, but obviously uh, an extremely powerful hitter. I'm going to jump into my Seattle fact, because you already kind of stole it before. D. Gordon, his sprint speed, 29.7 feet per second, fourth best in baseball, uh, as we saw him say to a reporter last week, well, that can't be right. I'm the fastest man in baseball, which I, I appreciate the uh, self-confidence and hubris there, but he's going to need it as he's transitioning to center field. We saw general manager Jerry Depoto specifically say they looked at the StatCast data on infield pop-ups last year to see how quickly he could get to them, which I thought was a kind of a fun way to look at it. The thing about Gordon is that I think that there's a really good chance that he is... Going, I mean, he's already. I think he's led the league in his league in steals the last like three years. I'm curious to see if he can get 80 steals. We haven't seen an 80 steal season in a long time. Clearly, if you were the Mariners and you trade for D. Gordon, 
to make him a center fielder, you clearly believe in what D. Gordon has to offer. So to me, they're basically saying, we like you. We're going to put you in a new position. I have to imagine he has an aggressive green light. So I'm kind of curious to see what, what comes of that. Yeah, I appreciate that the Mariners got two Marlins who are going to play outfield this year, and neither one are Stanton or Ozuna because <laughs> they also have Ichiro, and they signed Jason Worth to a minor league deal today. My uh, Mariners fact is kind of an extension of my A's fact, where, as I said, Chris Davis leads the majors in barrels with 132 over the last two seasons. Well, since that cast was introduced... Prior to the 2015 season, number one in barrels, Nelson Cruz, 192. Um, J.D. Martinez was second at 182. Nelson Cruz is amazing because he's 37 years old, will turn 38 this summer. It looked like he was toast a few years ago, and then he got that big deal, and it's like he's still doing it. He's still a dominant power hitter. I kind of expect to fall apart at some point. We but all did. Maybe not. Oh, yeah, we, uh, everybody gave Seattle a hard time for that contract, and they have more than proven us wrong. Uh, speaking of barrels, I imagine that Joey Gallo will have a lot of them in Texas, but he's not. That, he is my, my player, but that is not my stat. My number for Joey Gallo is 19. That is the number of pitches that he saw last year with four infielders on one side of second base. Think about that. Literally every infielder is on one side of second base. That 19 represents 100% of all pitches in the Major League Baseball season in 2017. That means that nobody else other than Joey Gallo saw a fielding uh, uh, positioning like that, and they all came from the Houston Astros against Joey Gallo. Speaking of Gallo, he was second only to Aaron Judge in barrels per ball in play. Uh, his rate was 22.1%. Judge was 25.7%. My semi-hot take, which I think I've shared on the show before, is I think Joey Gallo is going to lead the majors in home runs this year. Uh, that's not a hot take at all. I would, so, I I said, would absolutely I said semi-hot take. Uh, that wraps up our American League. So our, our American League playoff predictions, I have the Yankees, Indians, Astros leading the divisions. Matt has Red Sox, Indians, Astros. I have Red Sox, Blue Jays as wild cards. Matt has Yankees, Twins. And we have differing American League champs. Now, I went with the Yankees because I think that that bullpen is really well positioned for postseason baseball. And you completely reasonably went with the Astros because the Astros are going to be amazing this year. So Yankees and the Astros in the American League. I don't think we'd get too much of a pushback against that. I don't think so either. Moving on to the National League. Uh, we're going to start with Atlanta. I went with Brandon McCarthy. I think a lot of people forget about how good he can be when he's healthy. I know that's just the world's biggest caveat because he's very rarely healthy, but I thought this was pretty interesting. My number for Brandon McCarthy, 24.1%. That is his hard hit rate over the last two seasons. That is the lowest of 293 pitchers with 300 balls in play. That's a lot of balls in play. He's extremely difficult to put hard contact on, and I appreciate that. I think if he's on the field, he'll be useful for a Braves team this year. Yeah, no question. He's 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 someone who's been an effective pitcher when he's been able to stay on the mound. It's just he's had the kind of uh, a lot of bumps in the road over the uh, the course of his his career. Uh, my facts about Freddie Freeman: He led the majors last year with a 4.53 batting average on a bat ending on a pitch with 95-plus mile-per-hour velocity. So basically, he hits plus velocity as well as anyone, which I think is pretty cool. All right, I like that one. Uh, for for Miami, now I think, yeah, you went with the obvious one here, right? You went with J2 or Muto? Good, you can take it because that's the first thing I thought of too. Fastest catcher in baseball. Uh, average sprint speed of 28.6 feet per second. He's not just the fastest, he's by far the fastest. Number two on that list is Wilson Contreras, 27.4. Uh, Rayo Muto is going to start the year in the DL, unfortunately, but he is one of the more... He's the most interesting player on the Marlins, right? I guess maybe Lewis Brinson Prince, now, but um, he's in the conversation. I like Kyle Bearclaw myself, just because I like saying Bearclaw. But what? No love for Magnaris Sierra, who uh, was acquired in the Ozuna trade. 29.9 feet per second sprint speed. Now, he is not on the leaderboard because he didn't play enough last year. But if the minimums were dropped to a point where he would have made it, 
that would be tied for third best in baseball behind only Hamilton and Buxton. Yeah, the Marlins are not going to be very good, but they are going to be athletic. You talked about Ramuto, Sierra, Brinson, um, Monty Harrison. They've got it's they'll be an entertaining team. Uh, Harrison's not up to begin the year, I don't believe, but like they're. They will have there's there's some guys with big tools on the team. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, when I looked at the Mets, I looked at the bullpen, right? I looked at Anthony Swarzak. My number for Anthony Swarzak, two ten. That is the expected weighted on base on his fastballs. That's four seamers, two seamers, and sinkers. That was the lowest in baseball last year. Minimum five hundred thrown, three hundred and twenty four qualifiers. I don't think people really realize how good Swarzak was last year because they look at his career numbers when he was a half decent starter. He's going to be a really big addition to this Mets team. Yeah, no, that's a, probably the big. I mean, uh, when our uh, colleague Anthony Castrovins ranked the top ten bullpens in baseball, he had the Mets in the top ten, partially because I think you know they they sort of under the radar because they were out of the race in the middle of the year last year. They added A.J. Ramos in a minor trade, and they went and signed Swarzak. Familiar was out all of last year. So basically, like, they their three best relievers now were non-factors on the team last year. So their bullpen's a lot deeper. They're going to give some innings to guys like Robert Gazelman. So it should be an interesting group. Uh, my fact, uh, Noah Syndergaard, because uh, as David Adler, our, our colleague David Adler, wrote in a piece this week, he throws the fastest everything among, <laughs> among starting pitchers. Highest four-seam velo last year. Two-seam velo, slider velo, and change-up velo. Number one in all of those pitches among starting pitchers. Uh, fourth in curveball velo. Who's throwing harder curveballs? <laughs> McCullers must be up there, yeah, I probably. guess. I don't know who the other ones are. Um, for uh, the Phillies, uh, Jorge Alfaro. Uh, granted, this is a, a small sample, but you know things like arm strength don't take that much to stabilize. He had the highest average arm strength on quote-unquote max effort throws by catchers at 89.8 miles per hour. Uh, max effort is defined by a player's the average of a player's 90th percentile and above. Uh, Gary Sanchez was second at 87.8. So we know Gary Sanchez has a cannon. Jorge Alfaro is right there with him. When I think about the Phillies, I'm, I'm kind of here for this bullpen. I've always liked Hector Neris. They brought in Tommy Hunter. They brought back Pat Neshek. And I don't think enough people realized how good Adam Morgan was in the second half of last year. He's another one of those guys who was a starter, got injured, moved to the bullpen. My number for Adam Morgan, 28.3%. That is a swing and miss rate on his sliders. That is the best of the 48 lefties who threw at least 200, just ahead of Clayton Kershaw, who you might have heard has somewhat of a good slider. If Adam Morgan can really pull this together for an entire season, I really like the Phillies bullpen. I think this could be a big part for them. Yeah, no question. Uh, and then for the, the Nationals, we both went with something uh, Max Scherzer-related. How guess could you not? It's only natural. My fact is that he had the lowest expected batting average allowed in 2017, 173. Based on quality of contact, the expected batting average is 173, which is just uh, incredible. That's among the 132 pitchers with 400 batters faced. He does almost seem like he's getting better with age. Well, I kind of I looked at it from a different way. I just wanted pure dominance. And so what I thought was, well, I'm not interested in guys who throw it outside the zone. I want to know what happens. When you put it in the zone, can you still get swings and misses? And so my number for Scherzer is 24%. That is his rate of misses on swings in the zone. That is the best of any starting pitcher in baseball. So a quarter of the time he gets a swing in the zone, he gets a miss. Um, and I think that shows pure dominance. As we all know, Max Scherzer is one of the best starting pitchers in baseball, if not the best. And I think it's pretty safe to say we both have the Nationals winning this division uh, probably by a lot, I would think. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that there is quite a cl- You know, to me, the Astros are sort of the clear-cut favorite. I think there's scenarios where the Mets could challenge them. The um, the thing about, I think, that that's hurts the Mets in this regard is the the way the, the Phillies have kind of bolstered their roster this year. When the offseason began, you could maybe see if the Phillies were kind of maybe like wait another year to kind of be aggressive in making moves, that maybe there'd be a lot of wins to be had against 
the Marlins and Phillies and Braves, because that's how the Mets kind of won the division three years ago. In 2015, they basically dominated the three teams at the bottom of the division. But the Phillies are going to be tough. Uh, and the Braves, will, particularly when Acuna comes up, are going to be tough too. So the Nationals are the pick. Okay. In the uh, National League Central, I went with the uh, – start with the Cubs. I went with Tyler Chatwood, who I've spoken about on this show several times before. The number here is 2980. That is his curveball spin, fifth highest of 229 who threw 100. Really interested to see what Chatwood is going to do outside of Colorado. Hopefully throw that curveball a little bit more this year. I went with a John Lester fact, and I'll admit that I've never been that high on John Lester. For whatever reason, I've just he's had a couple of uneven seasons. He always he never seems like the kind of guy that if you're facing him, you're like, oh my gosh, we're we're facing Lester today. What are we gonna do? That said, you know, Theo Epstein keeps going out to acquire him, so maybe, you know, he knows something that I don't know about baseball. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, this I thought was interesting. John Lester had the third highest whiff per swing rate on curves last year, fifty-one percent. Uh, that's the minimum of hundred swings on curveballs. Why that was significant to me in particular was that number one on that li- one one and two on that list are relievers, Craig Kimbrell and David Robertson. So anytime to me when I see a starting pitcher on a list, uh, like a, basically a swing and miss swing and miss uh, list against relievers, that's pretty significant. Here's what I like about the Cubs: we just talked about Chatwood and we just talked about Lester, and I think there's a reasonable argument to make that those will be the fourth and fifth best Cubs starters this year because I think Darvish is going to be fantastic. I think Hendricks is going to have a monster season, and Jose Quintana is always underrated. This is a ridiculous starting. Rotation. I sometimes kind of forget that Quintana's on the Cubs because yeah. <laughs> they, they kind of sneakily acquired him, and he wasn't that great last year. So, kind of in my mind, it kind of went over the radar. Every time I look at the roster, I'm like, oh yeah, he's there. Um, Moving on to the Reds, I was trying to find a Joey Votto fact, because what fascinates me about Votto is that he's arguably the best hitter in baseball, but he doesn't really hit the ball that hard. And we know, obviously, there's a high correlation between exit velocity and production, but it's not everything. You know, in some ways, to me, he's kind of like the, the Greg Maddox of hitting, in that like Greg Maddox dominated without the conventional methods of, of pitching dominance, and he kind of dominates hitting without the conventional methods. Last year... Um, he ranked 219th in hard hit rate of the 387 players with 100 balls in play. So below average, right? But what he's really good at is hitting it right in the zone, like in the, in the sweet spot of launch angle. He had the second most batted balls between zero and 40 degrees of launch angle, 316 batted balls last year, the launch angle between zero and 40 degrees. So basically when he hits it, he hits it right in the sweet spot. But he doesn't necessarily hit it that hard. He's only had two home runs of over 430 feet in the three years of StatCast. Every Joey Votto fact, this is the best Joey Votto fact. I went to the bullpen again. I went to Rysel Iglesias. 140 expected weighted on base on cutters and sliders. That's the lowest in baseball of the 201 who have thrown 300. I don't think enough people realize how good Iglesias is. If the Reds decided they wanted to trade him, I think they could really get something nice back. He could be a huge deadline addition for some team. But for now, he's on the Reds, and uh, he's a very underrated uh, reliever, reliever back there. I went to the Pirates next, and I went for 94.2 miles an hour. That was their average fastball velocity last year, the highest in baseball, and also 61.8%. That's their fastball usage last year, also the highest in baseball. It'll change a little bit because Garrett Cole is gone, uh, but they still have Chad Cool. They still have these guys who throw hard and throw their fastballs a lot. That very clearly seems to be the Pittsburgh way right now. Yeah, and I'll, I'll go, stick with the pitching. I'll go with Jameson Tyon, a pitcher that a lot of people have been waiting to break out uh for a while after being the number two pick in the draft, and he's kind of become a really easy guy to root for after overcoming that cancer diagnosis. Interesting fact about him, I looked at every pitcher with an expected weight on base below 310 last year and looked at of those basically pitchers who, based on quality of contact, were notably above average, and then looked at those guys who had the highest gap between expected and actual weighted on base, basically looking for 
for lack of a better word, the unlucky pitchers. Number one on that list was Marco Estrada. Uh, Perfect. With 39 points <laughs> difference, as we discussed earlier in this podcast. Number two, Jameson Tyon. So I think there's reason to believe that that the production, the results will hopefully match the production this year. He'll have a full year of Starling Marte back in the outfield. Should help the defense. Pirates took a probably took a step back with some of the trades that they made, but... Uh, I'm, I think Tyon's going to have a nice year. Um, I will. I am fully on board with that. Uh, moving ahead to the Brewers, and I'm, I'm looking here. Neither one of us had the Brewers as a wild card team this year, which I think may surprise people because they had a pretty nice offseason. They got Kane. They got Yelich. My number is in the bullpen, 31.1%. That is Corey Kniebel's rate of misses on swings inside the zone or on the edges of the zone, uh, similar to the Scherzer example. That is the best of any reliever in baseball. He had a little bit too high of a walk rate last year, but still, he was a, a really dominating reliever. Probably not enough people realized how good he was last yeah, year. Yeah, and for, for the... For for the the Brewers to compete this year, you know, so much a lot of the guys and they're particularly particularly on the pitching side had career years last year. Um, Kniebel was one, Chase Anderson another, and that's to me Chase Anderson is the guy that if, if particularly with Jimmy Nelson out, they really need him to kind of repeat what he did last year. And amazingly, I was amazed by this of the 128 pitchers with at least 300 balls in play last year. Only Clayton Kershaw had a lower hard hit rate than Chase, Chase Anderson. I did not know that. That's really interesting. <laughs> I like that a lot. Um, and then for St. Louis, uh, I'll go with uh, one of their new acquisitions. Uh, Marcelo Zuna. This is, might be my favorite fact uh, I'm going to give you on this, uh, this whole show. Last year, the St. Louis Cardinals, as a team, had 14 home runs with a projected distance of 430 feet or above. That ranked 25th in the majors among teams. In 2017, Marcelo Zuna, on his own, had 13 home runs of 430 feet or above, which was fourth in the majors. He hits it hard. He hits it far. He is definitely giving them some much-needed pop. Uh, I had 129. That is Michael Waka's expected weighted on base on curveballs, lowest in baseball, minimum 250 thrown, 116 qualifiers. I think a lot of Cardinals fans have been very down on the Cardinals this offseason. I haven't quite understood it because I loved the Ozuna deal. Uh, I think like the Dominic Leone trade was really good for them. I think Mike Myers and Tyler Lyons are going to be really good relievers this year. We both, as I'm looking at our list here, have the Cardinals winning a wild card. And I think that the Cubs are going to win this division. The Cardinals are going to win a wild card. Neither one of us think the Brewers are going to win a wild card. So we have some alignment here, I guess, on that at StatCast uh, Apparently HQ. we do. Moving to the West, um, I will start with the Diamondbacks, who I will say I do have a wild card. My wild card teams are the Cardinals and the Diamondbacks. Your wild card teams are the Cardinals and the Mets. I think that's all very defensible. My first number here, as you alluded to earlier, 42.3%. That is Robbie Ray's hard hit rate allowed. That is the highest of any starting pitcher, but also... Robbie Ray's 34.6% whiff rate is the highest of any starting pitcher as well. So he's very hard to hit, but if you do hit him, you'll hit him hard. He's like, you know, Corey, uh, Craig Kimbrell, but in the rotation. Yeah, and the, 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 big, the big X factor for the Diamondbacks this year is the humidor, yes. right? Um, if it has as much of an impact as our friend Dr. Alan Nathan has hypothesized it will, he's, he suggests it could be anywhere from a decrease of 25 to 50% in home runs, which is significant. That could launch Robbie Ray directly into the Cy Young conversation, yeah. but it could also hurt Paul Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt last year, second to Freddie Freeman in average launch angle on home runs, which is interesting to me because, to me, those kind of high fly balls are the ones that will end up being most affected by the humidor. And you might see more, potentially more kind of warning track power from Paul Goldschmidt. So I'm very curious to see how this manifests itself because you might see some players who you're used to putting up 30 home run seasons, maybe take a step back. And Paul Goldschmidt, 
would probably be the biggest quote unquote victim of this. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, I picked the Diamondbacks for the wild card mostly because I really like the rotation. Although slight concern about Zach Greinke, but even beyond that, Ray is really good. Zach Godley was fantastic. I'm kind of into Patrick Corbin now that he throws a slider like 40 percent of the time, and that is a team I think will will do well. A team I'm a little bit lower on than I think most other people are are the Rockies, and my number for the Rockies is negative 0.1 degree. That is Ian Desmond's launch angle, the lowest in Major League Baseball of the 387 guys who had 100 balls in play. Everybody thinks so you go to Coors Field and all of a sudden you hit like a god, and in some cases that's true, but not if you're hitting ground balls all the time. Uh, so a disappointing first year for Ian Desmond, but in some sense, I mean, I think he's better than we saw last year. He's always been a ground ball guy, so I don't know how much rebound there is here. But the thing is, when he does make contact in the air, he can hit the ball a long way. I remember hitting him, him hitting one like 480 in, in uh, San Francisco a few years ago. Oh, he's got talent, no doubt about that. But I didn't understand that deal in the first place. Not off to a good start. And now, now they, they put Ryan McMahon on the roster, so it's going to be interesting to see what they do with their playing time. Um, well, they sent down David Dahl, so I think what's going to happen is is Cargo in right and Desmond in left, Blackman in center, and Para kind of backing up all three spots. I guess that makes sense. Uh, speaking of Cargo, um, he had a hard hit rate of 58.6% uh, in September, which was third behind... Jose Martinez and Aaron Judge, and this was a few weeks after he'd gone to see a sleep specialist and sort of talked about how a sleep specialist had like turned his season around. Who knows? But I've been a cargo fan. I kind of like that deal for the Rockies bringing him back because they needed help on offense. And I think that while I don't think he's like the, going to be like the third, you know, whatever best hitter in baseball, I think that he's going to be a good version of cargo this year i'm I'm looking at this note and uh, i'm laughing because i thought this martinez was going to be jd martinez but it's jose martinez who i totally should have gone with for my st louis note because i totally but you know it was jd martinez, no, I thought uh, it was jose martinez. <laughs> now i'm disappointed jose martinez is going to be fantastic this year too we've, we've talked about him in the past we are i know what everybody's waiting for we are almost up to san diego we're not quite there yet we have to talk about the dodgers uh who i believe we both have winning this division unsurprisingly my number here is actually a combination of three numbers 214 193 and 197. Those are Kenley Jansen's expected weighted on base over the last three years, and those rank respectively second, first, and first. Sometimes I don't think we truly understand just how good Kenley Jansen is. He's the best reliever in baseball, and you know I don't think it's ludicrous anymore to talk about him in the Mariano Rivera mold. I know he hasn't had the postseason success. That's fine. Um, he is just so dominant, and he somehow gets better and better every year. You might remember last year, he started out with 50 strikeouts before a walk. That's that's not even right. Uh, he's good. He's that's, good. that's my analysis. Uh, my facts about Corey, Corey Seager, and it's not necessarily to be like a wet blanket, but I just find this interesting because obviously the guy can hit, um, although he has some sort of vague, uh, has had some vague uh, arm problems that have sort of plagued him. But this is about his, his legs, actually. What I found interesting, I looked at sprint speed by shortstops. And among the 30 shortstops last year with 50 qualified run, runs, he ranked 27th out of 30, um, which for a young guy kind of stands out to me. He's still slightly above average at 27.2. Average is 27, uh, so he's still above league average. But the, the guys below him among shortstops were all older shortstops. It was Dribble Cabrera, Troy Tulowitzki, and Brendan Crawford. So, like, I mean, I think when he was a prospect, there was this thought that Seager might not be able to stick at shortstop. And while I know sprint speed doesn't directly correlate with what you need to do to be a good shortstop, it's much more about quick reaction and, uh, you know, your hands, it does suggest to me that, like, maybe 
he's not going to be a career shortstop. He, he actually looked pretty good defensively there last year, better than I thought, but it still would not surprise me if in a couple of years when Justin Turner's contract is over, uh, if Turner moves over to that side of the infield. Moving on to San Diego, and I wanted to go with Franchi Cordero here because we've talked about him in the past and I'm a big fan of his, but he's hurt right now. So I actually did end up going with Austin Hedges' fastest pop time to second base, but only with a minimum of 15. So that cuts it down to, one, uh, for him, it's 1.89 seconds. Now, I'm just going to kind of kick my feet up here. This is the moment everybody's been waiting for. Matt, what is your San Diego Padres fact? Well, you know, on the show, I've talked a lot about <laughs> Luis Perdomo, and a lot of it's become a little bit of a running joke, you know, with his, his sprint speed, fast among pitchers fact. Last year, hit four triples, which was, um, I think, the most since Robin Roberts or something. It was like some crazy figure. It was one fewer than the Blue Jays had as a team. Um, all amazing facts. But... The reality is that there's a reason that I've always been fascinated by Luis Perdomo and that there are some underlying metrics that show why I think he could be a dominant pitcher. And there are these two numbers, the combination of these two numbers. Last year, his whiff per swing rate on his slider is was 43.9%, which is 16th among 81 pitchers with 200-plus swings on their slider. That's right behind, directly behind in the rankings Zach Greinke and Clayton Kershaw. Um, Carlos Carrasco was number one at 58.1%. 58%. So, okay, here's a guy who can get swings and misses on his slider. Spin rate on his two-seam fastball was the lowest among 58 pitchers with at least 500 two-seamers thrown last year. So that's where he gets a lot of dive, a lot of movement on his two-seamer. So he has this this sinker-slider combo that, to me, I've always liked that combination of pitcher. Um, When a ground ball pitcher has got it going and just breaking bats and getting ground balls, um, it's a lot of fun to watch. He gets a lot of broken bats. The problem is he also... Gives up an odd amount of homers for a guy with such a high, high ground ball rate. But I, I mentioned to AJ Castavell, a Padres reporter last year, I said, you know, it's kind of the the Brandon Webb starter kit, and he said that that is the um, that is the exact comp that their manager, whose name escapes me, Andy Green, Andy Green, <laughs> mentions when talking about Perdomo, and Andy Green played with Brandon Webb in Arizona. Um, I think the Padres have definitely been frustrated by him. He had a, a, a really bad start to spring, but they decided to put him in the opening day rot- in the uh, rotation to start the season. I'm excited about that. Saturday night, he's pitching against the Brewers. I know where I'll be. <laughs> this has been your Luis Perdomo fun fact of the week. Uh, the final team for us, the San Francisco Giants, my number is 3105. That is the curveball spin rate of Chris Stratton. That was the highest of the 310 pitchers who threw 100 curveballs last year, Chris Stratton is basically the Seth Lugo that we just don't talk about, but we might end up doing that because I think he's like their number three starter right now uh, with the injuries they've had. Finish us off with your San Francisco Giants fact. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the, the, the air was sucked out of the balloon with the Giants when the uh, they found out last within like two hours of each other on last Friday that Bumgarner and Samarja are both going to miss uh, somewhat significant time. Samarja about a month, Bumgarner two months. Um, so I think that's probably takes them out of legitimate playoff contention. Uh, but the interesting storyline with them was the, the changes they made in their outfield. Last year they were um, in outs above average. Our um, StatCast uh, outfield defense metric, they were 29th uh, ahead of only the Blue Jays. at um, negative 50, They were negative 15. The Blue Jays were negative 22. Uh, runs below outs below average, that is. Um, and they made a lot of changes. They brought in Austin Jackson to play center field. They brought in Andrew McCutcheon to play left field. Their outfield defense is going to be better. I'm not sure it's going to matter because they really needed those pitchers to to be good and durable because their starting pitching depth is just not there. I don't want to say they're doomed, so I won't. (laughs) (laughs) National League choices uh, for me, I had the Nationals, Cubs, and Dodgers, as did Matt. I went Cardinals and Diamondbacks for the wild cards. Matt went Cardinals and Mets. 
Uh, I had the Dodgers winning the league. You have the Cubs winning the league. So I guess that gives you. So you actually went this year with what I had chosen last year, which was an Astros Cubs World Series. And then I went with a Dodgers Yankees World Series this year. Yeah. So at least there's a little bit of differences. Are there any teams that you think that, that are like, there's kind of a lot of obvious choices? Yeah. You know, do you have any like legitimate quote unquote sleepers in mind? Um, I mean, I've talked about the A's a lot. I, I think. I'm kind of back and forth on the Blue Jays. Like I, I like the Blue Jays rotation a lot. I think Roberto Osuna is super underrated. I'm worried about the lineup a little bit because uh, Russell Martin's 35 and Donaldson is already banged up a little bit. That would probably be my number one team. I, I came really close to going with the Mets over the Diamondbacks. I think it's easy to see things going right for the Mets. It's just that they haven't, right? I mean, if the rotation is healthy and Cespedes is healthy and Conforto is back, the Mets are a really good team. I like that bullpen a lot. That, yeah, maybe I mean, that's what I would the say. way Conforto seems to be ahead of schedule and actually like you know out in games and like hitting with some power to suggest that maybe like his shoulder will be okay is a big reason to feel pretty good uh, about their chances. So let's go to awards to finish the show. Drum roll, please. American League MVP, um, Mike Trout. <laughs> yeah, both picking Mike Trout. As I learned today, which I did not know, Mike Trout is actually the highest paid player in baseball this year. I had no idea which that is was like true. Surprising, but also not surprising. I mean, that's the way it should be, right? <laughs> I mean, that's the way these things should work. American League Cy Young, I went Corey Kluber. Uh, and you went Chris Sale. There's not exactly inventive picks I think, here. Like, but a lot like... of people just, like, I'm like a lot of people, I've just been picking Chris Sale like, every year, kind of assuming that one year he's going to finally win it. Last year it looked like it would be the year. Um, I figure it'll happen sooner or later. Okay. Uh, I, I think I went a little off the reservation for American League Rookie of the Year here because he's got a short a sore, uh, arm already. I went A.J. Puck of the Oakland A's. I think he's going to get a chance. I think he's going to be really good. Yeah, and if you know if the A's sort of come through as a sleeper team, he could be a good big part of that. And that's that you know the narrative is always a kind of right. helps these these rookie of the year cases. My choice for AL rookie of the year is Willie Calhoun. I just think he's going to hit. Doesn't seem like he's going to be down in the minors for long. The Rangers left fielder right now is Drew Robinson and Ryan Rua. There you go. So he's not going to be down in the minors for long, and I just think he's going to hit. I think the uh, consensus pick for this for American Looker of the Year is probably going to be Shohei Otani. But I didn't pick him uh, partially because he has not looked very good. I mean, I th- he'll be fine. I think. But I also think unless he's overwhelmingly good, there's kind of a bias against guys who've played professionally in foreign leagues before. I think it's harder to get votes that way. And also, I think there's a chance that he's a very good pitcher, but a bad hitter. Right. And that's going to like, if he essentially quote unquote fails at hitting, that will hurt his case. Right. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, manager of the year, I mean, we pick him anyway, might as well. I sort of hedge my bets with my picks because, like, basically you want to pick the team that's going to o- exceed expectations. So I picked John Gibbons for this, but the Twins for the AL wild card. That's sort of his mind. Wait a minute. I, I picked the Blue Jays to get to the playoffs, and you didn't. And you picked John Gibbons to be the best. As I said, that's hedging, <laughs> my, that's hedging my Twins Guess pick. what? Guess what? This is going to reverse itself when we get to the National League. I promise you this. I went Aaron Boone, uh, partially because, as I've said, I'm very high in the Yankees. I have them winning the World Series. But I also think that, you know, first-year guy with no managerial experience, if they have a really good year, uh, obviously in a huge media market, he's going to get a lot of credit for that National League MVP Bryce Harper all around right yeah and the thing with Harper is always that it just seems like um he, he gets de- banged up he play I mean he, he quote-unquote plays hard but it's true and that seems to have led to some injuries for him um but the last time he had like a full healthy season I felt like 2015 he was the he was the best player in baseball and he was really good last year before he heard himself run into first base it's not like he had a poor season or yeah. anything so I, I I agree with you on that National League Cy Young uh I went with Max Scherzer just because I mean, he's fantastic, and I think unlike uh, you know Clayton Kershaw, the Nationals will probably push him a little harder. I think the Dodgers will lay off Kershaw a little bit, and that cost him last year. But I should probably know better than to pick anybody to win it three times in a row. It, that's my that's my concern. For, I mean, if you care about things such as like legacy, the Kershaw is sort of like you know not put you know he's 
minor injuries the last couple of years, while obviously great in the long term for him and the Dodgers, are definitely the fact that he what he has he has three signing awards. Kershaw, yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, he probably should have like six. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, the year Ari Dickey won, he probably should have won it. He probably should have won the last. Well, he, he certainly he, was he certainly was dominating enough the last two years to win it. Last year he didn't pitch, or was it two years ago he didn't pitch enough innings to really to win it? It's, yeah, it's hard. The seasons kind of blend together. <laughs> I know, um, but uh, he should be challenging Clemens' record. He's probably not going to get there, but like. He probably should have five or six right now. I, I saw someone right the other day, and I honestly can't remember who it was. He just turned 30, right? So the next couple of years for Clayton Kershaw will define whether he's the best pitcher who ever lived or merely a first ballot Hall of Famer, which I think tells you a lot about Clayton Kershaw. National League Rookie of the Year. I wonder if we both got a little too cute with this. Neither one of us picked Ronald Acuna. And it's not because he's not up already, because neither of our American League guys are up, and it's not because we don't think he's going to be good. I guess I just try not to pick the consensus for everything. I went with Walker Bueller. I think the uh, the Dodgers have a little bit less depth this year because casimir uh, has gone and McCarthy's gone. Urias is hurt. So I think Bueller is going to get a chance and he has looked fantastic. I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be an ace. And the Dodgers just win rookie of the years. They won the last That's right. two. That's right. In the 90s, they won five, five straight. In a row. And then the 80s, 78, like they won four, four in a row. row. In like 70, so like this is just what the Dodgers do. That's a legitimate pick. I went with Alex Reyes. I think he's the, to me, he's the narrative choice. Despite what the Cardinals say, I think there's a good chance he ends up saving games for them. I agree. And shockingly, um, still eligible for the rookie of the year. And right? um, that's just you know I, that's I just kind of see that taking taking hold. But again, I think I probably was just trying to be cute. In the American League, I gave you a hard time for not picking the Blue Jays and yet going with John Gibbons. Here I am in the National League, having not chosen the Mets and picking Mickey Callaway as my manager of the year. Yeah, I mean, if the Mets brought back Terry Collins, they probably would have improved by ten games just by the virtue of being like a little healthier than they were last year and having more depth. So they have a new manager. They have a lot more depth, will hopefully be a little bit healthier, and like there's a good chance they improve by 15 games and make the wild card. All right, so to wrap up, in the American League, I went with Trout, Kluber, Puck, and Aaron Boone. Matt went with Trout, Sale, Willie Calhoun, and John Gibbons. In the National League, I went with Harper, Scherzer, Bueller, Callaway. Matt went with Harper, Kershaw, Reyes, and Callaway. The only thing I can guarantee is that some of those picks will be wildly incorrect, uh, and we will look back at them in October and laugh. We should have gone back and looked at our picks from last year. I, I can guarantee we did not pick Aaron Judge. We probably all picked Andrew Benatendi to uh, win the American League Rookie of the Year, right. I think. That's, that's probably about right. So that is our season preview show. The next time we speak, we will have actual 2018 games and data to talk about. It's very exciting. Uh, enjoy the opening day of the season coming up on Thursday. That is our show for this week. Thanks very much for listening. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.